from here. Amen. But I want to invite your attention to 1 Kings chapter 16, and we're going to begin reading at the 29th verse. I will also invite your attention to James chapter 2, and we'll read one verse of Scripture. So we'll read from 1 Kings chapter 16, and we'll read from James chapter 2. The Scripture says, And in the thirty and eighth year of King Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab the son of Amri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Amri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab the son of Amri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. I would like to read to you from the book of James, and I'll read one verse of Scripture, James chapter 2 and verse 23. And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Amen. And I would like to speak to you on this first Sunday of 2024 on this subject, friend of God, friend of God. Could we lift up our voice unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your goodness and grace to us. You brought us into a new year filled with holy peace and purity. And I thank you for your grace that is sufficient and amazing all at the same time. I pray that today your word will go forth with clarity, boldness, love, wisdom, compassion, and accuracy. And help us, I pray, to draw closer to you in the precious name of Jesus. We ask these things and everybody said amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Every word of God is pure. This is the declaration of Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. You can count on the word of God being pure, and not just the word of God in a general sense, but every, every word of God is pure. And the scripture teaches us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter six that it is an immutable thing that it is impossible for God to lie. It is absolutely impossible for God to lie. And now we know that all things with God are possible and yet it is impossible for him to lie. And here's, and here's why. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If it comes out of the mouth of God, it is true. It doesn't matter what it had been before that. If it comes out of the mouth of God, it is absolute truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. His word and absolute truth are inseparable. They are the same thing. And so it is that we understand that God does not waste words. Uh, He does not speak just to speak. He speaks and what he says comes to pass and what he says is so. It is true. God does not give opinions. God does not give conjecture. God does not participate in speculation. If he says it, it is so. And that is the absolute truth of the word of God. Amen. And I'm thankful that's the God we serve. He is not a man that he should lie. His word is forever settled in the heavens. 
And that forever settled word is a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and it will pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow of the bone. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. His word, ladies and gentlemen, when heaven and earth shall pass away, his word shall not pass away. When the grass has withered and the flower has faded, the word of our God shall stand forever. It is an absolute truth and it is the absolute foundation upon which we stand. This is the settler of all disputes. This is the arbiter of all things. Whatever it is that we may disagree upon, we can go to this holy book and it will settle the disagreement and help us to understand what is truth. If you're trying to discern between what is your thoughts and what is the, what is the thought of God, then this Bible will tell you exactly how God thinks and how God would have you live. And we thank God that that's the foundation upon which we stand. So when God speaks anything, it is significant, and so it then is very interesting when he talks about people. His statements and assessments concerning people is, uh, is something worth noting, and, and the Word of God does that. There were various times in the Bible where the Lord said certain things about certain people. For instance, concerning David, this is what, this is what the Scripture says concerning David, that the Lord said, I have found David a man after my own heart. The fact that God would say that David was a man after his own heart is significant. That means that David was a man after God's own heart. David hadn't pulled the wool over God's eyes. God was not deceived by any trickery or deception. No, no, he, David was a man after God's own heart. Did he fall? Did he fail? Did he, did he sin? He did. And, and God was going to smite him because of the sin. But David repented unto the Lord and said, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. God who knows and tries and judges the heart of all mankind forgave him of his sin. And this is the, the way that God operates. He understands and knows all things. And when he speaks concerning a thing or even a person, it is absolute truth. It was Jeremiah who helped us understand that the Lord told him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. This was vital for Jeremiah to know because Jeremiah had the unenviable task of telling Israel all about their sinful ways and the judgment that was coming. And his life was attempted to, attempted to take his life on a number of occasions. And Jeremiah was, was left with the moniker, the weeping prophet, because so many of the lamentations we read in the word of God came from that man. It was important for him to have heard God say, I ordained you. From your mother's womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. Knowing God's thoughts about him helped him to perform what God had called him to do. Saul of Tarsus, as evil as he was in his maniacal execution and persecution of the Christians, it was of him that the Lord said to Ananias, after he had appeared to him in the way to Damascus and persuaded him that this was the way to walk in it. It was, it was Saul of Tarsus that the Lord said concerning him, he is a chosen vessel unto me. God said that. Nobody else, that wasn't somebody's opinion. That wasn't somebody's speculation. God said, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and before the children of Israel. Of John the Baptist, Jesus said, there arose no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Now, now you can disagree all you want. You can have your favorite prophet all you want. But Jesus settled the debate and said, there arose no greater prophet than John the Baptist that was born of a woman and and it's important to note that John the Baptist never performed a miracle. The Bible takes, 
time to point out that John the Baptist never performed a miracle. So, so the prophets who did perform miracles, I mean mighty miracles, power, fire falling from heaven, water coming out of a rock. But of, of all of them, Jesus said there was nobody greater than John the Baptist who prepared the way for the Messiah to enter into the world and preach the gospel that saves to the uttermost and to give his life for sinners. Of Nathaniel, the Israelite, who was a little bit, maybe, maybe a little bit uh, uh, snarky uh, at, at times. Jesus said, he is an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. You may not like what he says, but, but he's gonna tell you what he thinks. He's an open book, Nathaniel is, and, and you don't have to wonder if he's talking about you behind your back. He's not going to talk about you behind your back. He's going to tell you everything he thinks to your face. And Jesus said, eh, there's no guile in that man. When God says it, it is settled. Of Moses, when Miriam and Aaron were complaining about Moses, and Moses had great detractors all through his ministry, people challenged him over and over. Hath the word of God only come by Moses, they would often say. And Moses had this challenge of leading the people of God out of Egypt and into the wilderness and beyond the wilderness, into the promised land that he never even got to experience personally, but only saw it a far ways off. But, but of Moses, Miriam and Aaron were complaining and taking shots at him and speaking of him behind behind his back and about his wife. And it so angered God that God called Miriam and Aaron to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and Moses as well. And here comes Moses, doesn't even know they've been talking about him. He just shows up, hey Miriam, hey Aaron, how y'all doing? And they're like, we're okay, but apparently God wants us all to meet here. And so God starts talking to them and God gets into Miriam and Aaron's face and says, I speak to some in visions of the night and I speak to some in dreams, but not Moses, he's different. I speak to him face to face. And with that, Miriam was stricken with leprosy and immediately leprosy covered her body and Moses besought the Lord and said, Lord, heal her, I beseech thee now. And the Lord did bring healing to her body, but she still had to be outside the camp for seven days. But God was letting them know, I'm gonna tell you what I think of Moses. I'm going to tell you, Brother Ananias, what I think of Saul. I'm going to tell you, Samuel, what I think of David. Jeremiah, I'm going to settle it in your mind what I think of you. I'm going to let all of you know about John the Baptist. When God says something about somebody, that settles the debate. He said of Job, he, God said this, he is a perfect man and an upright man, one that escheweth evil. God speaks concerning people's character and it should cause us to take note. It wasn't always positive. Sometimes it had negative connotation. Concerning Jacob and Esau, this is what he said. He said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And then the writer of Romans brings clarity to it and said, is there any unrighteousness with God? God forbid that there is any unrighteousness with God. For he told Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. A modern a saying that has come to bear concerning that idea is the term favor isn't fair, somebody said. Favor isn't fair. There's some people that it just seems like God puts his favor upon them. And, and here's the reality. God, it is God's prerogative what he wants to do with his favor, with his mercy, with his compassion. But I will tell you this, that anybody and everybody can get into good favor with God because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to know that God speaks his word and he does not apologize for it. And you are going to be participating in a fool's errand if you try to somehow balk against the word and the will of almighty God. And it was of Ahab that he said this. He said concerning Ahab, the king of Israel, that there was nobody that provoked God to more jealousy than Ahab, the king of Israel. That's, that's, the great, that's the great tagline associated with Ahab's life. Now, 
Folks, we can talk a lot about the different kings of Israel, but the Bible says that there was no king before Ahab who frustrated God more and provoked him more to jealousy than Ahab did. Ahab was responsible for the mass proliferation of Baal worship all throughout the land of Israel. And this was a absolute slap in the face of God. This was a far more egregious problem than what you and I could possibly fathom in 2023. Elijah, the great prophet, was raised up specifically because of the Baal worship that was happening in Israel. Speaking of God just putting his favor on somebody, most of the prophets have some lineage associated with them. And, and many times you're told who their father was or you're told who their mother was or you're, you're told some kind of a background as to where they came from. Not Elijah. The Bible says he was of the inhabitants of Gilead. God just reached into Gilead and picked somebody up and said, you're the guy. I'm going to use you. You're going to do my work and you're going to do my will. And Elijah's sole mission, purpose, and task was to absolutely throw down Baal worship and lift up the mighty name of Jehovah. His name, Elijah, could be pronounced El-Yah, and it means Jehovah is my God. What a name of a man to walk into that horrible den of Baal idolatrous worship and stand up for the things of God and say, Jehovah is my God. This was not an easy time to do this. There were 450 prophets of Baal versus the one prophet Elijah. That is a, you talk about foreboding. You talk about intimidating. It was one man who worshiped Jehovah, who said, my name with no apology is Elyah. My name is Elijah. And I've come to tell you that the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is the God that is going to answer by fire. And he is the God that we should follow. And he is the God that we should serve. And he prepared an altar and confronted the 450 prophets of Baal. And here they came, this mass, this mass uh, uh, confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And God answered by fire. And Elijah said, if God be God, then follow him. And if Baal be God, then follow him. And they tried for a long period of time to get Baal's attention to no avail. There was no way to get Baal's attention. They cut themselves. They cut their flesh. And they tried all sorts of ritualistic practices. And there was no way to get Baal to respond. Now let me just give you just an insight into how God operates. He will give the heathen time to try to get a hold of their chosen deity's attention. That's what's happening in our world today. We are watching the world do their best to find out eternal life on their own. And God is allowing the whole world and whoever would like to try bail out, he's giving your chance to let him answer by fire. He's giving him his chance to sound off and to sound out and to show up. But I want you to know that there's coming a day, hallelujah, when the trumpet will sound there's coming a day when the fire will fall for the last time. There's coming a day when all of God's people will be raised triumphantly from the dead. Glory to the name of Jesus. Don't, don't get mixed up now. This isn't the time to backslide. This isn't the time to turn around. This isn't the time to get depressed and discouraged and back out, back down, throw in the towel. It's time to be a friend of God. It's time to say, I'm going to follow God. If God be God, then follow him. That's the directive. If God be God, then follow him. And God said concerning Ahab, he said, nobody provoked me more to jealousy than Ahab provoked me to jealousy. What a, what a thing for God to say concerning Ahab. He said something about Abraham that we read about in James chapter two. This is what he said about Abraham. He said, Abraham is my friend. He is the friend of God. Abraham was called out of his father's kindred. 
He was called out of his father's house. And God said to him, go now to a land that I will show you. To a land that I have called you to. I'm going to give it unto your seed. And to your seed seed. And I'm going to multiply your seed. More than you could ever possibly imagine. Like the stars in the heavens. Like the sands on the seashore. I'm going to multiply your seed. Leave your father's house. Leave your father's kindred. And go to a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. And I don't know how many people God told that to. We don't know the answer to that question, but I know the one who listened to him. And I know the one who obeyed him. And I know the one who believed him enough that he acted upon what God said. And don't let anybody tell you that belief alone is enough. Belief without action is dead. Faith without works is dead. If you believe, you've got to act upon it. You can't sit here and tell me that you believe that the blood of Jesus makes the difference. You've got to repent of your sins and be baptized in his name for the remission of sins. You can't just tell me you that you believe that the Holy Ghost makes the difference. You've got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to receive the gift of God into your life. Faith without works is dead, but... Abraham is the testimony that faith with works is alive, that faith is evidenced by its works. And Abraham believed in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And God was so enthused and excited by Abraham's desire to follow him and his obedience to the word of God that God just went full board in his blessing of Abraham. He said, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. Every place you plant your foot, I'm going to give that place to you. I'm going to put dominion into your hand. Why? All because Abraham believed him and trusted him and obeyed him and walked with him and went where God told him to go and avoided what God told him to avoid and listened to the direction of Almighty God. And you know what God said to Abraham and about Abraham? He said, that right there, that's my friend. That's my buddy right there. Abraham's my buddy. He's my friend. He's He's my friend. Now, now, he could call him a lot of things and did. Abraham was a patriarch, the Bible says. Abraham was the servant of the Lord. God called him my servant. He was a servant of the Lord. He was a patriarch. He was a high father, and he was the father of many multitudes. He was father Abraham, patriarch Abraham, servant of the Lord. He was a a man of great power and authority and dominion. But God said something about him he didn't say about anybody else. He said, he's my friend. That's my friend right there. And now God said something similar about other people. As I mentioned, David, he's a man after my own heart. About Moses, I talked to him face to face. We got a thing between us. Don't you criticize Moses because he's my, he's my confidant. I talk to him. He talks to me. I want you to know that you can have a personal relationship with God along these lines. You can have a walk with God that is personal and personable. A walk with God where, where you can talk to him. Yes, he's your heavenly father, but he wants to be your friend. He wants to be able to sit down and spend quality time with you. He wants to have your trust and he wants you to trust him. Hallelujah. What a testament that God would trust you. If you're going through a trial right now, I want you to know God is trusting you with a trial. He believes that you will handle this trial a certain way. God is your friend and can be your friend in any set of circumstances. I thank God for my friends. I thank God for all of you here today. One of the reasons I enjoy coming to the Tree of Life Church for service, one of the reasons is I'm pastor. Now that's a good reason to want to come. But the other reason is because you are my friends 
and I'm able to see people that I love and be with and connect to and connect with. And that's a, that's a, a blessing of the Lord to be able to have friends that you can be with. My very best friend is my beautiful wife. I like flying with my wife. I don't enjoy flying by myself. By myself, it's boring. I don't sleep good on planes. I, I just sit there and wait for the flight to get over with. But when my, my wife is with me, they've got these little games on the airplane. And they've got a little uh, uh, game where you can find the hidden objects and they might have like a fully stocked kitchen or they might have a, a cluttered garage and you've got to somehow pick out the hidden objects and they've got roller skates and they've got uh, boomerangs and they've got a deck of cards and you've got all these different things you've got to somehow pick out and we'll play that game. She beats me every time. I've got to use these all the time. And I don't even have bifocals, but I'm doing this. But before we know it, two and a half hours has passed. And I didn't even know that time was flying by because I was with my best friend. Something about being with your friend. We go into these, we go into these business sessions at general conference and district conference and don't tell anybody, but they're not my favorite part of the conference. A lot of motions and amendments and amendments to the amendments and, and the, the best thing about them is that I get to sit near my friends and it helps the time pass by because you're with friendship. There's communion and commonality and we need to have good godly friends and there are people in this room right now who don't even think they have a friend and I rebuke the devil who's telling you that because you've got a lot of them sitting here among you. And I'll go ahead and tell you that if you feel like you don't have a friend, I'm going to give you a little insight into spiritual warfare. If you're here today and you feel like you don't have a friend, it's because somebody near you needs one. That's not you actually not having a friend. That's you feeling the feeling somebody else has. So when you have that loneliness come on you and you feel like you don't have a friend, look out around you and say, okay, who is it, Lord? Who is it who needs encouragement? Who is it that needs a prayer partner? Who is it that needs a friend? Because God is letting you feel the feeling of their infirmity. Friendship is precious. Friendship is important. And you can have friendship with the greatest friend there is to have. And that friend is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why consecration month is so special. Consecration month is so vital and important because it's time where we dedicate moments alone with our very best friend. Prayer should not be a drudgery to us. I understand that it itself is a step of faith. You're speaking to God and you're speaking into what feels like maybe the air. You can't see him with your natural eyes. And so sometimes you, you may not sense the feedback, but if you, just, if you just get into it a little bit, let it unfold before you. It's, it's kind of like that 3D picture that you're looking at. It looks like just a confusing uh, a collection of all different shapes that don't make any sense but if you just tune in for a little while and stare long enough and stay long enough all of a sudden you will enter into a whole new dimension a whole new realm and you will feel something that you've maybe never felt before if you have felt it before you can hear it even now you can hear the saints saying that's right amen that's right you can hear them saying it as I'm talking because they know what I'm talking about is true they've been there and they know that if if you just step into the rhythm and the river of God's presence and you start talking to him like a friend and you begin to share with him and speak with him, there's something special and beautiful about that. This week, as I was praying during consecration week, I got into this vein of prayer with God where I started to say, Lord, I thank you for the joy of your everlasting kingdom. I thank you for the joy of never dying. 
in eternity. I thank you for the joy of life evermore. And as I began to pray, I didn't want to stop saying that in a variety of different ways. I, I was in a vein. I was in tune. And he just started opening it up to me again. And my friend grabbed me by the hand and took me into and around that, that special place he has prepared for us. Oh, what a friend there is to have in Jesus. I want you to know you're not alone today. You can be a friend of God. Ask Abraham. Abraham will tell you. I, all I did was do what he told me to do. All I did was go where he told me to go. And the next thing I know, he's just showing up on the plains of Mamre. I thought I was all alone out on the plains of Mamre. But here comes the Lord walking out onto the plains of Mamre. And you know what Abraham did? Abraham went and grabbed bread. He began to grab all of the ingredients he could to make a meal. He made his friend his favorite meal and served his friend, the friend of God Abraham was. And you can be a friend of God today. I'm thankful we can be his servant, but don't forget you can be his friend. I'm so glad he's your deliverer, but he's not just your deliverer. He is your friend. I'm glad we have a savior, but he's not just a savior. He's a friend. I'm glad he's a healer. Oh, thank God he's a healer, but he's not just our rescuer. He's not just some on some pedestal out there somewhere that we can see from a far way off and beckon to and, and, and call to and hope he responds. No, walk with him every single day. Talk with him every single night. Share with him and enjoy his presence. Hallelujah. Yeah, the Bible lets us know that Abraham was the friend of God. You know, the Bible says that Abraham was his friend and that Isaac was chosen and that Jacob was his servant. I'm going to tell you, if you want to have your children and your grandchildren to be ready to be chosen of God and to serve God, then you be his friend. Show him what friendship with Jesus looks like. Show your family what friendship with Jesus looks like. Show your co-workers what friendship with Jesus looks like. Your co-workers need somebody in the office who's a friend of God. Our city needs a church in town that is filled with friends of God. People who don't just claim to worship him, but worship him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Bible says Abraham was the friend of God. And that word friend is an interesting word. That word friend in the Hebrew is the word Ahab or Ahab. Abraham was the Ahab of God. What? Yeah. Abraham was the Ahab of God. I just talked to you about Ahab. King Ahab. His name meant friend. And yet he was anything but that to God. There was nobody who could provoke God to more Jealousy than Ahab because Ahab was supposed to be a friend and that's not what he was. He was supposed to be a worshiper. He was supposed to be an obeyer. He was supposed to be a believer, but he was anything but that. And the Bible says, if it wasn't enough that he followed after the sins of Jeroboam, which was to build a golden calf in Bethel and to build a golden calf in Dan, if it wasn't enough that he did that, he said, that would have been enough right there to be offensive to God. But if that wasn't enough, he married a woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel was a king's daughter of the Phoenicians. And they worshiped the heathen God of the Phoenicians and the Canaanites. And that heathen God's name was Baal. Baal was was an absolute affront to the things of God. Everything that God said, Baal said the, the opposite. Everything that God instructed people to do, Baal encouraged them to do something different. God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Baal opened the door wide for adultery. It was a part of the ritualistic religious practice. 
the God of Israel said, thou shalt not kill. Baal not ju- didn't just have people kill as a part of their ritualistic ceremony. It was, it was actually, they would kill their children. They would kill their children. They would kill their firstborn children in order to appease Baal. And, and this was a terrible, wicked, heathen, ungodly devil worship that was occurring. And Ahab, the friend, married a woman by the name of Jezebel, named after that ungodly, demonic principality of Phoenicia and Canaan, and brought that into Israel, that idolatrous practice, and it proliferated throughout Israel. And everybody was worshiping Baal. And the, the interesting thing about Baal is that you've maybe heard the term Balaam. Balaam is the plural form of Baal, and it is it is the plurality. In other words, it's not just one Baal. It's, it's a lot of Baals, and it covers the whole spectrum of life. Baal Peor, and Baal Zebub, and Baal Berith, and on and on the list goes. It's a pantheon, really, of Baals. And, and it was all of these Baals that Ahab brought into Israel. That's why there were 450 prophets of Baal because they were so many and it required all of this different coverage because he covered the whole spectrum of human life and that isn't that doesn't belong to Baal that belongs to Jehovah that's why that's why when we speak of Jehovah we say the Lord is my light and my salvation he is everything. He is my whole life. That's why he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present. And Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. And Jehovah Rophe, the Lord is our healer. And Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is our shepherd. And Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord is our sanctification. And Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. And I want you to know that he wrapped up all of those names into one name, which is Jehovah Ashua or Yeshua, which is Jesus and it simply means the Lord is my salvation. Baal wants to cover the spectrum of your life and you've got to decide are you going to worship God or are you going to worship Baal because if God be God follow him but if Baal be God follow him. Oh, you'd say I'd never fall down and worship an idol. I I just want to push back on that a little bit because I think sometimes we do and don't know it. It depends on it depends on who's filling our calendar. That will tell you who your God is. It, it, it depends on where you spend your time. That'll tell you who your God is. What you do with the first day of the week, that'll tell you who your God is. Hallelujah. No, no, I would never sacrifice my children. Listen, when you won't bring them into the presence of God, but you'll take them into some false, heathen, idolatrous temple, that's exactly what you're doing. I know you don't think it is but I've come as a as a messenger of God to say to this generation if God be God follow him not in name only not in name only we got a lot of Ahabs with the name Ahab with the name friend with the name Christian with the name apostolic with the name Pentecostal with the name believer it's not about your name it's about your action who are you following who are you serving who is your friend You know why the rain stopped falling? Because of Ahab's transgression. You know why the brook Kidron dried up? Because of Ahab's transgression. Ahab brought reproach upon all of Israel. Do you know that the economy of Israel did pretty good in Ahab's reign? God wasn't as impressed by the economy as we are. God's political choices didn't have as much to do with the economy as it did righteousness. Oh, I'm going to tell you, somebody said if Paul was to, uh, if Paul was alive today with the church, he'd, we'd be getting a letter. You know what I say to that? We've got a letter. We've got a lot of them. He's already told us. I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. 
we have to get back to being holy people. We have to get back to being righteous people. We've got to get back from with shunning, shunning the things of this world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I'm going to tell you that the the act of abortion is barbarism and there's no two ways about it. It is a barbaric act. It is heathen worship. It is the child sacrifice that Baal used to require and the practice of hedonism and the practice of illicit sexual activity is in fact those old ancient sexual ritualistic practices that are alive and well today and somebody's got to make up in their mind. I'm not just going to be a Christian in name only. I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to be in the house of God and we're going to worship him. We're going to lift our hands and praise him. We're going to... Are there any one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost people in the house this morning? Is there anybody here today who wants to be a friend of God? Hallelujah. We don't need to be holier than thou, but we do need to be holy. We don't need to be self-righteous, but we do need to be righteous. Hallelujah. We do need to be consecrated unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I, 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 I'm so excited. I got to be with my, 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 my daughter came in today or the other day from college, and I get to be with Sophia and I get to be with my grandbaby. And tomorrow our, our family's coming in from Texas from a wedding and we're gonna have the whole group together this week and, and I'm gonna have my daughters and my son-in-law and my grandbabies and my wife and, and, and I look forward to the fellowship. I look forward to the, the friendship. I look forward to the connection. That's the way it ought to be with God. You don't have, prayer's not a drudgery. If I can have a few moments alone with God, it's like nothing else in this world. I want to be with him. I want to be in his presence. When you spend time away from his presence, that's when you begin to become more and more and more like the world. And this is what the Bible says. It says friendship with the world is enmity with God. You got to be careful, saint of God, that you don't have friendship with the world. What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Trying to mix up the things of God with the things of the enemy. You can't, you can't mix Baal worship with the worship of the one true and living God, Jehovah. You can't do it. If God be God, here's how you respond. If God be God, follow him wherever he may go. You leave, tell me to leave my father's house and my father's kindred and my father's false teachings then I'm going to get up and I'm going to go where you tell me to go. There are people in this house who had to walk away from false doctrine and false teaching in order to embrace the things of God. I'm going to tell you, God calls you friend. God calls you friend. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Abraham had a horror of great darkness to come upon him. A horror of great darkness. That means like almost like a panic attack in the middle of the night. It was like a nightmare that brought on an anxiety that he couldn't control. And he had all these promises of God, but he had left his father's house. He had left his father's kindred. He was out on this, he was out on this, this journey. And, and nothing is turning out the way he thought it would turn out. Anybody know what it's like to trust God, believe God, and, and, and stake your whole life on his promises, and at first it doesn't seem like it's working? Anybody been there before? Well, that's where Abraham was. Abraham was like, God, I did all this. I, I, spent, I, spent, I spent all this time gathering my belongings and leaving, and now I'm out here, and there's nothing, nothing even similar to what you said was going to happen. And he was being overwhelmed with a, a panic attack. Horror of great darkness, the Bible says. And as he walked out into the, into the night, the Lord was there. His friend. He said, hey, buddy, come here. 
Come here, I want to show you something. You see those stars in the heavens? Yeah, I see those stars in the heavens. That's how much seed you're going to have. All those children are coming. Hang in there. It's coming. It's coming. And Abraham believed in God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you, when you believe in God, some of you are seeking for evidence, and I want you to know that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Some of you are looking for substance that you can put your hands in, and substance that you can put your feet on, and I've come to tell you that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The only substance you're going to have is your willingness to obey. Hallelujah, but when you're struggling and you're doubting and you don't know if it's true and you don't know if it's right, call on him. Call on him. He will be there with you. He will show up and he will take you again on the journey and say, look at the sands upon the seashore. Feel them in your hands. That's how much seed is coming your way. It's going to be multiplied exponentially. The children of my kingdom, I'm going to give it unto you, Abraham. I'm going to tell you, anywhere you are, you can call upon him. He is your friend. Late in the midnight hour, it's going to see you through. When the lightning is flashing and when the thunder is rolling, God is going to see you through. When you don't know what to expect and when one day looks more treacherous than yesterday, God is with you. Be a friend of God and let God be a friend to you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift your hands right now in the name of the Lord. Lift your hands all across this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine. What a blessed sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Friendship with Jesus, fellowship divine. What a blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine, what a blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Friendship with Jesus, fellowship. What a blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. I wonder if there's somebody in the house of God who believes that right now. Could you just lift up your hands unto him? Oh, friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine, what a blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Joseph Scriven was ill. His friend came to visit him. He sat down next to him and and then he pulled out a piece of paper. He started reading it. He said, what is this? Joseph Scriven said, I'm, I wrote that little poem for my mother. She was so ill and so lonely, and I wrote a little poem for her. He said, you wrote this poem? He said, I did. Later, they put music to the words, and it, it just said, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh. 
our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit and oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry oh every friend to God in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit and oh what needless pain we bear and it's all because we do not carry oh Lord to God in prayer. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, all our sins and griefs to bear. song says this well there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus no not one no not one oh now none who can heal all our souls diseases well no not one yes Lord no not one or oh, now Jesus knows all about our struggle and he will guide until the day is done oh yes there's not a friend like the lonely Jesus oh no not one well no well, now there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, no, not one. No, not one. No, not one. Well, now none else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one. Oh, yes, no, not one. Well, Jesus knows all about our struggles, and he will guide till the day is done. Well, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. believe that could you lift up your hands unto him again today he's in this house right now he's in this house right now and there is not a friend that you could ever have like the Lord Jesus Christ I want somebody in this house I'm opening these altars right now I'm opening these altars for somebody who wants and needs a friendship with Jesus Hallelujah. Come on, I want somebody to come right now who needs a friendship with Jesus. I want somebody who feels the loneliness of this hour pressing upon you. Come forward right now in the name of the Lord and say, Lord, I need you in this day. I need you. I need that communion. I need that connection. I need that friendship. This is why we consecrate ourselves. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need friendship with Jesus. 
Come on, that's it. That's it. Feel this place. Feel this place. I want somebody eager to step into the presence of the Lord. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Lord, eager, eager. I'm eager to be in your presence. I don't want to just be a member of Tree of Life Church. I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to just be called a Christian. I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to just be it in name only. Even Judas Iscariot put himself up as friend. But it's more than just being called a friend. I wonder if there's somebody else here today that can reach out and say, Lord, I need friendship with you. I need connection to you. In the name of Jesus, how you love me, it is amazing that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call. Yeah, Lord, is it true that you are thinking of me? church is going to be open for prayer we want you to take advantage of that to be a part of prayer from noon to one during the day not if you can't make it obviously every day we understand that but but if you can if you can just come on in and be in the presence of the Lord develop friendship with Jesus in 2024 walk with him and talk with him and let him be a friend to you and you be a friend to him trust and time connection and communion open door policy with you and God in the name of Jesus right now if you have something in, that you have need of I want you to bring it forward right now I want the sick to come forward right now I want the I want the lonely and those who are fighting depression I want you to come forward in Jesus name come on the friend is here the friend is here the friend that sticketh closer than a brother is in the house of God this morning 